Just my luck. A heffalump. Leering at his lunch. Eeyore, I'm not a heffalump. Doesn't matter anyway. Headed for the waterfall. I'll be gone soon. Oh no, not the waterfall. Swim! Not that anyone will notice. Swim, swim, swim! Just have to go with the flow. Don't worry. I'm not. Can't change the inevitable. Mustn't give up, Eeyore. I'll save you. We'll see. Oh, yes, of course. I've grown up, haven't I? <laughs> oh, Eeyore. I've been at my misfortune. Just like a heffalump. Hello, Eeyore. Hello, heffalump. Not a heffalump. I'm Christopher Robin. Do you remember I used to try and cheer you up? I don't remember being cheery. Well, good morning, Hope Ames. Are you feeling bright and cheery today? It is nice and bright outside. Hey, yeah, let's give God praise for this beautiful day. Why not? I'm all about it. Yeah. My name is Danny Householder. I'm the campus pastor here at Lutheran Church of Hope and Ames. I'm so glad to be with you. We say it all the time, and we really mean it. We believe it's no accident that you're here. We've been praying for you. It is just a joy to be worshiping with you on this beautiful Sunday spring morning. It is Confirmation Sunday at 11 o'clock. Our confirmands will be in this space, and we will be so excited to celebrate them. Uh, please be keeping them in your prayers, not only today, but also as they continue in their journey of faith throughout their lives. Thank you so much for being church family with them. I know that they really appreciate you, and uh, I wish that everybody could hear all of their faith statements that they'd said, or that they uh, proclaimed in front of everyone last weekend uh, here on Sunday evening, but, you know, with COVID, we can't do that right now, but uh, just know that they've got some really awesome faith, and it's really cool. I'll get to more about that later on, but let's go ahead and hop in today's message. We are calling this series, Hope Appears Right on Time. We're already a few weeks into this series, and Hope Appears Right on Time would be a very nice thing for Eeyore. Has anyone ever felt like Eeyore? where their life's meaning and purpose has completely escaped them, and it feels like they are nothing more than an object floating down a meaningless river of life, and the inevitable is disaster. You ever felt like that before? It's true, it's a common experience that all of us have, where sometimes we feel like we're struggling to find meaning, we're struggling to find purpose, we're struggling to find hope. Sometimes it's big, sometimes it is small. In honor of our 8th grade confirmand students, I want to tell you a story from when I was in 8th grade. When I was in 8th grade, I was on the football team at Waukee Middle School, and I was on the lightweight team, which nobody's ever really that surprised here. I didn't have muscle. I don't have muscle now. I didn't have muscle then. And our school's heavyweight, lightweight cutoff line for whichever team that you were on was pretty low. Um, so to be on the lightweight team at our school, like you, you, were, you were pretty small. In fact, our cutoff line was a lot smaller than some of the other schools that we would go to. Sometimes we would be facing off schools where it was clear that I'd be lining up against someone who was like 30 or 40 pounds heavier than me. I had no chance whatsoever. But we had a coach who was really awesome, really motivational, really inspiring for us. And he got everything out of us that we possibly could. In middle school, I think you have like five games. And we won our first four. Like, it was going great. And our coach was thrilled, excited about this. And he's trying to pump us up going to the last game. He goes, you just got to know that every single play matters. Every single play has meaning. Dive into it. Go for it. Give it your all. No matter what the scoreboard says, give it your all. 
Now this particular week, we were playing up against one of the bigger schools in the area. At the time, Waukee was not what Waukee is today. It was less than half of the graduating class than it is now when I graduated from high school. So we were still in a lot of ways kind of like a farm school back then. And so we're going up against one of the bigger schools in the community, so their cutoff line for lightweight and heavyweight is pretty high up. These kids are pretty big. By the end of the first quarter, we were losing 35 to zero. They kicked extra points in eighth grade, this team we were going against. Nobody did that. I was the wide receiver who would run plays in and out of the huddle, uh, out of the huddle to our quarterback. So I'd, at each play, I'd have to run over to our coach, and I'd get the play, and I'd run back over. I'd say it to our quarterback and be like, I love you guys. Believe in yourself. Let's go, brothers. Come on. Let's fight. You know, football teaches you lots of fun life lessons. And uh, by the end of the fourth quarter, when we're losing by even more, I go up to my coach. I'm like, all right, coach, what's the play? And he goes, does it matter? <laughs> my eighth grade football coach said to me, does it matter? I thought that was hilarious. And I said, no, it doesn't. We're going to lose. This game has no meaning whatsoever. It's amazing. Like, we can be full of life sometimes, but then other times, it's true. Sometimes we struggle with finding our meaning, with finding a purpose, with finding a reason to keep going forward on the path that God has prepared before us. Uh, Viktor Frankl wrote a book in 1946 called Man's Search for Meaning. And when he wrote that, he reported that in the United States, 60% of people were struggling with finding their meaning in life, feeling like they couldn't quite grasp a purpose. Now, it's not all doom and gloom because today, uh, more recently, uh, in June of 2020, a study came out that said that 84% of people felt like their life had real purpose, had a real meaning to it. But of course, we know that you can simultaneously walk in light and darkness. You can simultaneously walk in joy and despair. You can simultaneously walk in all sorts of seasons of life and all sorts of feelings of life. And while 84% of people report that they feel like their life has real purpose, real meaning, 95% of people report that within the last six months, at some point, they've felt like their life didn't have meaning. We can kind of go in and out of it, can't we? And sometimes we can feel like Eeyore. Maybe it's not as common throughout our lives where it's not something we're dealing with all of the time. And if that is something that you're dealing with all of the time, I encourage you, please do not keep that to yourself. Talk to someone about it. If you'd like, come talk to me about it. I can connect you with a counselor or a therapist. We would love to be that place for you to find that connection. But there are also all of us who feel that at some point. Maybe not as chronically, but we feel it at some point. And we can feel like Eeyore who's just drifting toward the inevitable waterfall, which didn't end up being that big of a deal, which might be a metaphor for life. But we can feel like that, can't we? In the Bible reading today, just a, few, a little bit, or just a few verses before that, at the beginning of this passage, we encounter two people who are on a road to Emmaus. And they're struggling to find their meaning. They're struggling to find their purpose. They couldn't see what they needed to see in order to feel like that their life had any real worth anymore. What we find in this passage is there's one person that's named. We've got that, and that's nice and easy. It's simple. But then there's one disciple of Jesus, a follower of Jesus, as this person is called, who's, who's not named, which I think is really interesting. There's Cleopas, but then there's also this unnamed follower of Jesus. And perhaps there's a specific reason why Luke did not name this particular follower of Jesus. But maybe for today, it would be nice just to plug ourselves into the story. As they walked along, they were talking about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things, Jesus himself suddenly came and began walking with them. But God kept them from recognizing him. 
Now, it's interesting that Jesus would show up to these people because Jesus has already died on the cross at this point. This is Resurrection Sunday. This is the same day that Jesus appeared at the tomb to Mary and said, Mary, it's me. I'm risen from the dead. And word is starting to get out about it. But these two aren't seeing everything yet. They haven't been able to get a grasp on the meaning of what Jesus was and who he's supposed to be. And so when Jesus shows up, they don't, they don't recognize him. They probably weren't necessarily looking for him. The passage continues when it says that Jesus asks them, what are you talking about? What are you discussing so intently, he asks them. And their response is, it's kind of moving. For them, it stops them. They stop short with sadness written across their faces. They respond to Jesus, what do you think we're talking about? says, we're talking about the thing that only, that, that we're talking about the only thing that all people are talking about right now. Are you not from Jerusalem, they ask him? Clearly you haven't been around if you haven't heard this news about what's happening. Then they start to describe, we were following this guy named Jesus. Keep in mind, again, these two followers of Jesus are talking to Jesus. It would be like if you sat down at the bench of a park and you started to discuss the Chronicles of Narnia and you're sitting right next to C.S. Lewis and you don't even know it. They're sitting next to Jesus, standing next to him, talking. They're telling him about Jesus. They're telling Jesus about Jesus. He did all these wonderful things. He performed miracles. He was a wonderful teacher. Some said he was a prophet, but we believed he could be more than a prophet. And then it goes on to say this when they describe why they're so heartbroken. They crucified him. We had hoped that Jesus was the Messiah who had come to rescue Israel. Who'd come to rescue us. We're not seeing the purpose here. We're not seeing the meaning of this. It all seems valueless. The end seems inevitably bad. They're not seeing it. They're having a hard time finding purpose. And so while they're walking toward Emmaus, they're stopped in their tracks and their faces are covered with sadness. Have you ever felt like that before? What is it that's bothering them so much? See, they're living their lives now with the perspective that maybe resurrection isn't real. Maybe there is no purpose to this after all. It's true, sometimes we can get so caught up in our lives that we believe that this is all there is. And I understand. I've been in moments where I don't care what anyone has to say to me about how much brighter it's going to get. There are days when I don't want to hear about the silver lining around the clouds. Because I'm struggling to find purpose. I'm struggling to find meaning. That's where these guys are at, I think. Maybe it's these, this guy and this gal. We don't know. It doesn't say for sure. Again, plug yourself into this story. They're feeling like there's no purpose. There's no life after death. It started to get a little bit of hope about what Jesus was going to come and do started to believe that maybe they would be freed, they would be liberated from the powers that were oppressing them. Now it's all gone. It's amazing how much our lives and our existence itself changes when we start to see what Jesus really came for, what he's really about, who he's really about. And these two followers of Jesus were about to see. When I was in eighth grade again, in honor of our eighth grade confirmands, 
Um, my brother's friend Michael, he was staying at our house on a Saturday night. My brother and him, I guess, were having like a sleepover or something. And it was Saturday night and Sunday morning, being a preacher's kid, we woke up early and we would go and we'd watch my dad preach every single Sunday morning. My dad wasn't preaching at Hope that morning. My dad is a senior pastor of Lutheran Church of Hope. He works at our West Des Moines campus. He wasn't preaching at Hope that morning. Instead, he was preaching at Elam Christian Fellowship. You know of Elam Christian Fellowship because Elam and Hope, our former Hope Des Moines campus, merged, and now they are just Hope Elam, one church worshiping together at 2500 University across from Drake University, which is just this really amazing uh, campus that Hope has, and I encourage you to check it out sometime if you're ever in the Des Moines area on a weekend. But my dad was preaching at Elam before the two congregations had merged. See, our congregations are tight. Uh, my dad and their senior pastor have been friends forever. They've been doing ministry together in central Iowa for a very long time. And so oftentimes Michael Hurst, who was their senior pastor for a very long time, would come and preach at Hope. And my dad would go preach at Elam. They'd, do, they'd switch off. And this particular morning, my dad was going and he was preaching at Elam. And Elam at the time was a very different experience than anything that I had ever experienced. And it was especially a different experience than anything my brother's friend Michael had ever experienced. We wake up early, we get in the car, we go down to Elam, we walk in, and our understanding of worship was a Lutheran approach to worship, where the sign of respect is silence and eye contact. <laughs> At Elam Christian Fellowship, it is a very charismatic congregation. Think the church scene in Blues Brothers. I mean, I'm talking shouting, dancing in the aisles. Singing perfectly, like harmoniously. I don't even know how they do. They just sound amazing all the time. Very, very vocal in their response to the preacher. If the preacher says amen, they say hallelujah three times. You know, ready to go. Bring the word. Holy Spirit, come rain down upon us type stuff. I mean, it's like Acts 2. You're seeing it right out of there. And so we're sitting there and we're just, you know, like a little bit out of our place. During one of the closing songs, and I say one of the closing songs because there are about seven, it's about a three-hour service, so be grateful, okay? <laughs> I can go for a long time. I can. You know this, but not that long. During one of the closing songs, though, the worship leader, she kind of takes a break in one of the songs, and she says, if you believe in resurrection, say hallelujah. And the congregation says, hallelujah. And like in our row, we just kind of mutter, hallelujah. And then she said, if you believe in resurrection, sing hallelujah. And you hear this, hallelujah. You know, it's beautiful. And again, from our row, you just hear kind of like a, hallelujah. <laughs> and then she said, if you believe you need resurrection, shout hallelujah. And I'm ready again to say, hallelujah. I may believe it, right? But my brother's friend, Michael, screams at the top of his lungs. I, I had known this guy for a few years. I had heard him say like 10 words total. I look over him like, Michael? And he goes, well, I mean, if it's true, you know. <laughs> we, we believe in resurrection, but we also need resurrection, don't we? And see how it utterly changes our very existence? It absolutely changes the way that we live our lives. It gives meaning to everything that we do. It gives purpose to everything that we do. It gives the possibility for redemption for everything that's done wrong by us and to us. Resurrection gives meaning and purpose and hope right on time. You ever think about what life is like if we don't have this hope? 
When I was in probably about eighth grade, I saw this example for the first time. Um, I think that pastors have been using this for like 50 years, but I think that it, today would be a good day to use it. The pastor starts off by saying something like, okay, the beginning of the string is the beginning of time, right? It's the beginning of time. So you've got, if you will, in biblical terms, you've got God said, let there be light. And there was light. And then you can follow this string throughout all of history. It's very wonderful. Lots of different things happening. It goes pretty long. There are lots of highs and lows. And then somewhere along the line, you showed up. And you matter, right? So, in fact, you matter so much that let's make sure that we mark it. Lord, please tell me that I remembered my marker. Yes, I did. I brought it out. Okay. And somewhere along the line, you showed up, right? And so out of all of history, here's the start of you. You showed up. And that's your beginning. Can you see it? There you are. You have a mark on history. But if all we have is this, if our path is only as long as our life, not only is there a starting point, but there's also a stopping point. And maybe you say, well, I don't smoke. Okay. Got a little bit longer there. I eat keto. Okay. Okay. Any other health <laughs> things that were going on? And there's your mark. And it matters, right? Like, it, it, it absolutely matters. Even if resurrection isn't real, like, it matters. Because how your life goes, I mean, it'll impact, you know, people in the future. It, it certainly will. But is that it? Is that all we got? I believe there's more to it. Do you? The two followers of Jesus who are walking on the road to Emmaus believe that their path started here and it's going to end here. All that they could see was in this. And it's important. It's significant. But in the grand scheme of, every, of everything, it, it, it does start to feel a little meaningless, doesn't it? And we can fall into that trap. What are we living for? What were they living for? They thought Jesus would be the Messiah who would save the people of Israel. And yes, Jesus came to do that, but maybe not in the way that they thought. He had bigger plans for them. He had more plans for them. But when Jesus has risen from the dead and he appears before these two followers of Jesus, they don't recognize him. What aren't they seeing? What are they seeing and what are they not seeing? Do you wonder why they didn't recognize Jesus? I think it's part of the reason why a lot of us sometimes don't recognize what God's doing. Because we expect something flashy. We need it to be really shiny and really big. In churches, oftentimes the testimonies that you hear about are someone who is saved, right, from the grasps of, I don't know, addiction, abuse, disease, almost into the hands of death. And those are very real and those are very powerful and those stories need to be told. But then there's a lot of us who maybe live lives that are a little more boring. 
we think of God, we think flashy and big and dramatic. And so when we think about what we're seeing, we look for drama. If I'm going to see God, it's going to have to be very, very dramatic. But do you know something that's very unique about Jesus? He is extraordinary in the ordinary moments. Think about who Jesus shows up to after he's risen from the dead. In Luke's gospel account, he shows up three different times. It talks about three different appearances. Now, of course, he appeared for 40 different days to hundreds of different people, so it's not just what Luke, what Luke showed. But see who Luke shows that Jesus showed up to. He shows up at the tomb to a couple of women. He shows up to these two disciples, one unnamed. And then he shows up right before he ascends and he leaves. Doesn't show up to Caesar doesn't show up to a king. He shows up to the ordinary. Last week when I heard, that these, when I heard these eighth graders sharing their faith statements, you know what I thought was amazing? When they talked about their relationship and their faith in Jesus, they didn't necessarily talk about the most dramatic moments in their life. And some of them have had dramatic moments in their lives. But do you know what stood out to them the most by their faith statement? It was Jesus' consistency it was the Holy Spirit's constant presence in their life. It is that God could be extraordinary even in the ordinary. It's that God would show up in the mundane. The highs and the lows, yes, absolutely. But even the mundane. And so for those of us who do not have some wild and dramatic and insane testimony, your faith is no less important than someone who's had an amazing turnaround. It's just as significant. Because for all of us, resurrection breaks through with a power so strong that it could reach anyone, whether you live the most exciting life or the most boring life. Resurrection is real, and it changes everything for those who are living lives full of drama and the most boring person in this room. Jesus can show up in any one of those moments. He is humble. He became human. It's amazing. When the two followers of Jesus, they, they describe what's happening, like they're, they're, they're right on the cusp of it, right? They almost see it. They're, they're just, I mean, they're almost there, right? It tells, uh, it tells us that up next when they told Jesus... They're talking about um, how these women had said that Jesus' tomb was empty. They said his body was missing, and they had seen angels who told them that Jesus is alive. Like, and we're, we're watching this, and we're cheering them on. We're like, you're so close. You're so close. Are you so close? Like, think about the things, think back on the things in your life. The moments in your life when you know God showed up, did you know God was showing up when it happened? For me, 99% of them, I didn't. It was only when I could look back. Like, oh, that insignificant moment. God showed up and did something. He did something. He showed up for me. Even in the boring mundane. How close are you? Do you see him? He's showing up, no matter how extraordinary 
or ordinary your life is. He breaks through for you. And he gives you a path to where you never believed you could go on your own. Hmm. Do you think these two followers of Jesus were scared? I mean, at the very least, they were very disappointed, were they not? Have you ever been disappointed by God? Let down? He wasn't flashy enough? He didn't do enough? He's doing enough. And in this moment, it might not seem like what you want. God loves you. And he cares for you. And he indeed will give you what you need. And sometimes it takes a partner to walk alongside the path with us when it feels meaningless. But Jesus promises us, where two or three are gathered in my name, I'm showing up also. So is it really a surprise that these two people who are struggling with meaninglessness and struggling with finding their purpose, that Jesus shows up to them? I don't think that it's any surprise at all. You see, Jesus gives them a way where they believed that there was no way. They thought that Jesus had failed because he suffered. God's not supposed to fail. God's supposed to conquer. But Jesus shows up in the ordinary places. He dies. He suffers. And while oftentimes we cry out to God and ask him to rescue us from our suffering, Jesus shows he saves the world through his suffering. And as followers of Jesus, that might make us pause for a moment, stop in our tracks, and put sadness on our faces. And yet it can also bring us great joy and give us the courage to continue to walk forward. And why is that? Well, it's because the path that was dark before us is now lit up. Can I tell you a really embarrassing story? I'll tell you. So when Abby and I were just dating, this was uh, a few years ago, we, uh, we went to a haunted house. And because I thought that I was supposed to, I started off by walking in front, right? It took one scare, one surprise, before I jumped, hid behind her, held her by the shoulders, and asked her to protect me. <laughs> and I so badly wanted to build up the courage to say, I'll step in front of you again. Not one step of the way was I in front. Instead, I held on to her because the path before us was dark and I was terrified. And I thought that the end would be the end, right? I thought the next person with one of those toy chainsaws was going to be a real chainsaw and it was going to be a real problem for me. But the only thing that kept me moving forward is because someone was willing to go before me. And when Jesus shows up to these folks, it's as if he's saying, I can light your path. I know that sometimes it's dark. I know that sometimes it's scary. But I am the light of the world. And if I go before you, I will show you that there is a way through. And it is through. Don't stop just because of what you see now. Don't stop just because it seems boring. Don't stop just because it's not what you expected. Follow Jesus. Jesus responds to uh, these disciples. In fact, at first, he really kind of responds kind of harshly. He, he responds and he says, you foolish people, did you not believe what the prophet said? 
And then he says this, wasn't it clearly predicted that the Messiah would have to suffer through all these things before entering into his glory? Sometimes we don't get, uh, I guess, rescued from our suffering. I, I would say more often than not, in the greatest suffering of our lives, oftentimes we don't get rescued from it. But Jesus does walk with us through it. He will go before you. So how do you see that? How do you trust that? How do you find the courage to follow that God? Jesus continues and he tells them, uh, he, he starts to teach them about scripture on the next screen. I know it's going to come. The next screen, please. I know you got it. Yeah. It's, I promise. Is it frozen? Sometimes it gets frozen. All right. Give it up for our production team. I don't mean to put them on the spot. They're amazing. Sometimes we have, we have some issues, but that's what happens when you set up and tear down every single week, and, and sometimes that'll happen. Jesus took them through the writings of Moses and all the prophets, explaining from all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Why do we get so scared about the path? Why does this one tiny little bit overwhelm us so much? I think it's because sometimes we get confused and believe that it's about ourselves. It's about our safety. It's about our comfort. It's about our glory. It's about our riches. Sometimes we approach the Bible like that too, don't we? It's about us. This is an instructor's manual for my life. This is what I have to do in order to make myself glorious and shiny before God. But when Jesus talks about scripture, he says, it's all about me. I mean, it summarizes it for us, right? He just goes through the scriptures and he talks about the things that are concerning himself. Think about all the different stories that Jesus went through. Go back to David and Goliath, right? David, he defeated Goliath, and then his championship over Goliath was shared with God's people, and they got to enjoy that victory. And Jesus is saying, that's about me. I'm the real David. I did not defeat the giant that was Rome and said, they killed me, but I defeated death. And as your champion, I share a victory over death with you all now. It all points to me, Jesus is saying. And it's true. If all of it depends on us, then yes, this is very scary. Because we have to make the absolute most out of everything we can in this tiny little bit of time. And it never feels like there's enough. And eventually our Bible is not something that we get to eat out of and then we get to feed off of and then we get to share with the world. Instead it becomes this weight that we have to carry around and drag and wonder, am I living up to this or not? The very path that we walk on is not about us, but the one who walks it with us. And then it changes everything. The resurrection changes everything. The resurrection changes everything. And if you believe in the resurrection, you do indeed get to shout hallelujah. If you know that you need the resurrection and see that it's come true for you, you do get to indeed shout praises and live in joy despite what is happening in this time. Full of sorrow, full of regret. Of course it will be. And yet there is hope that appears right on time for two followers of Jesus long ago, but for you today, it appears right on time. Because I want to show you what happens when resurrection happens. It is not just simply, okay, time had a beginning, and then you show up, and then there's an end, and then maybe your grandkids will live, and their grandkids, and their grandkids, and their grandkids, and their grandkids, but eventually, what's going to happen at the end of time? 
The resurrection changes absolutely everything. Haley, can I have you uh, come on up here for a second? Because I think if I step off the stage, there's going to be some nasty feedback, and I don't really want that. But with the resurrection of Jesus, you get to break through what seemed like the end of your life, the end of your path, and it just keeps on going. You thought that this was the end. This is not the end. Someday when we get to the end of the world, when the sun burns out, kind of a nasty thought that we don't really like to think about. It continues to go. Someday when we get to wherever Matt is, I don't really know where Matt is right now, but wherever he is, it continues and it gets to go. And then it's going to get back to Jim. And then it's going to get to Paul. And then it's going to get up here to Mr. Luke. By the way, I was going to, it's just about to advertise Fairway. I can't do that, right? No, 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 I was just going to say, I was about to say where you recognize all these people from. Praise God. Praise God. He keeps on going all the way around the room and it doesn't stop. And as they continue to make their way through the rest of the sermon, what you'll find is that it doesn't end, but instead it comes back and it loops around. It's not that we necessarily go back to the beginning of time. We have to relive through every single thing that was maybe a problem for us. No, no. It is that we get to eternally enjoy the glory of God. We get to eternally enjoy the journey that God has taken us on. We get to eternally enjoy God's resurrection. We get to eternally shout out hallelujah and give our praises. This is the power of resurrection. This is what we get. For as long as it's taking to get this string around the room, you got way more time in heaven. You got way more time in everlasting glory with Christ. You get forever. See, at the beginning of time, we thought that we were given a bad sentence, right? It seemed like things were over. Thanks, Haley. Way to go. Let's give a round of applause for Haley. Let's give a round of applause for the volunteers. Think about the first meal in the entire Bible, right? It's a meal that we all share in. It says in Genesis chapter 3 that... Uh, she took some fruits. If you know this story, God said, don't eat the fruit from that tree. You can eat from anything else you want, but just don't eat from that one tree. And we get drawn to that one thing, you know. She took some of the fruit and ate it. She gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate it too. At that moment, their eyes were opened, and they suddenly felt shame at their nakedness. The first meal that's described in the Bible and for generations and generations and generations, this story was taught. For generations and generations and generations, this story was kind of used as a symbol to show people that creation is subjected to decay and death and an end to the journey. And then later in the night, when Jesus had showed up to these two followers on the road to Emmaus, he has a meal with them too. There was the first meal that's described in the Bible, but this is the first meal in the new creation. He took the bread and he blessed it. He broke it. He gave it to them. Suddenly their eyes were opened and they recognized him. It's a meal of freedom. You're not eating poison anymore. Your life isn't ending anymore. Your forever is beginning. You get this with Jesus. It never stops. It always goes. And while it's not about you, 
You're a part of it. It's about Jesus who gives everything about himself for you. Do you see him? We just need to sometimes open our eyes and see that hope has shown up right on time. When it seems like we're at the end of our journey, the resurrection breaks through. And we get to experience love and joy and peace for all of eternity. Your search for meaning, your search for purpose will come to an end. Open your Bibles. Dig into it. See how it's all about Jesus. If you get to a place in your Bible where you're confused and it's starting to make you struggle, maybe you've heard someone teach something about it that seems way off. Was it about Jesus? If not, then it's been twisted and construed to say something that it didn't say. It's about Jesus. And then you start to look at the rest of your life. You find out that it's not just the words that are in these Bible, that are, that's, in, that's in our Bibles, but it's the living word of God that continues to speak throughout creation. And you'll see that in the highs and the lows, in the peace and in the despair, in the extraordinary and in the ordinary, in the exciting and in the boring. It's all about Jesus. It's all about this. He goes before you. Place your hand on his shoulders and follow him, even if it's one step at a time. He will be your light and he will give meaning and purpose to your path. There's another meal that we want to talk about today really quickly. It was on the night when Jesus was betrayed that he gave thanks. He broke bread, gave it to his disciples to eat, said, take and eat. This is my body and it's given for you. When you do this, do it in remembrance of me. Then again after supper, he took the cup, gave thanks, he poured it out for all of them to drink. He said, this cup is the new covenant. It's my blood. It's shed for you and for the forgiveness of sins. And when you drink this, do it in remembrance of me. We get to share in a meal with Jesus too. Let's go ahead and say some words that Jesus taught us. It's known as the Lord's Prayer. The words will be on the screen behind me. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. You can go ahead and take the cup that you received when you came in today. You can peel off the top. There should be a little wafer in there. Go ahead and eat that. But hear these words. This is the body of Christ and it's given for you. If you didn't receive a cup on the way in, by the way, we have ushers. We'll come down the aisle. Just let them know and you can go ahead and get that. Then you can open up the container and you can drink the grape juice and hear these words. This is the blood of Christ and it's shed for you. You get eternity. You get purpose. You get meaning. Because your journey with Jesus continues. Let's stand. Let's sing about this foundation that we get to build not just our life, but our entire eternity on. Amen. Thanks be to God.